On this extra day in the month of February, what can I sink my teeth into? A big-time Laker comeback or Clipper collapse last night in L.A.? A bad loss for the Kansas Jayhawks at home? Are the Winnipeg Jets close to leaving their city again? See-through uniforms in Major League Baseball? Keep Justin Fields and trade the number one pick if you're the Chicago Bears? Or draft USC's Caleb Williams at quarterback and then trade Justin Fields? What about the high-profile running backs that won't be franchised? This is what the Sports Dead Zone has to offer, but you know I'll make it entertaining and delightful as we say goodbye to this month. It's all coming up, but first, this message. J Reels here to spend a brief moment and share a friendly reminder to please subscribe, rate, review the podcast on whichever platform you listen to on the regular. Just so we can increase the visibility of the J Reels podcast to those who aren't familiar with it. Leave plenty of stars, write a favorable review. It will go a long way for the curious listener looking to hop on board to get a dose of entertaining and passionate sports talk. For the visually inclined, please subscribe to my YouTube channel at J Reels as I post daily shorts and weekly vlogs, not only delving into the world of sports, but follow me on my journey to take the podcast and channel to new heights as I provide an in-depth, behind-the-scenes look at what it takes for yours truly to produce content on a day-in, day-out, week-in, week-out basis. It goes without saying how much I truly appreciate all of your support. And without further ado, the J Reels Podcast begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels Podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December, but what really counts is let me see this in January. The Sports Rebel Without a Pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it, he is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J-Rolls Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, my good people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? Hope everybody's doing well, feeling fantastic, in excellent spirits. It's a rare February 29th as we close out another month. On the eve of a sixth anniversary of the podcast, I'm beaming with excitement, although the sports world may not be chock full of stuff to discuss. As I get into all that's happening in sports, as this is the J Reels Podcast with your host, J Reels. For my first timers, welcome aboard, and for those who've been banging with me going back to the very beginning, somewhere in the middle, or even as early as this past Monday, I welcome you guys and gals back. And a couple of housekeeping items to get into. First thing being, tomorrow is the sixth anniversary of the podcast, as I mentioned, and I want to thank each and every one of you, whether you are day one, going way back, or this is your first day. I truly appreciate your participation, your support. In following me throughout this journey, which will now be six years tomorrow, my first ever episode was March 1st, 2018. So, one more time, people. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I hope you continue to keep on supporting as I'm taking this to bigger heights. As you well know, if you've been following me, at least for the last couple of months, going full-time into this endeavor, wanting to make a name for myself, even more so throughout the podcast universe. So, thank you so much one more time, again, for all of your unwavering support. And with that being said... The second thing is, I'm in the middle of finalizing a partnership. Now, I won't get into who it is at the present moment. I will officially make it complete. I'm working on some codes when it comes to customizing a particular brand that I may be working with or partnering with. So, hopefully by Monday's podcast, I'll definitely get into that. Or if anything, the podcast after that, definitely stay tuned because some big news is on the horizon with the pod as I'm venturing into my first partnership and boy I'm excited to say the least so just want to put that out there once again many thanks and let's get right to it the NBA will start off here because when we look at the regular season we understand that between the NBA and NHL it's a slog everybody's waiting to get to April May and June so we could go ahead on the trajectory the quest the two-month journey of what it's going to take for both of the fall and winter sports to crown a champion sometime in June. And when you look at a game like last night between the Lakers and Clippers, it was the last time they will meet in the regular season, and the Clippers actually won the first three games of the season series, so they already had it taken care of. And in fact, I believe they won 
I don't know, going back a couple of years, maybe they've won 11 of 12 or something along the lines of that. Actually had a better record than the Lakers here over the past, I believe, 10 years. That's what the stat was. Where the Clippers have actually been the better team in town, other than the 2020 year where the Lakers won the title, and that's all that matters when it's all said and done. And we understand LA's a Laker town. There's no way that the Clippers are going to make a definitive mark in that city, despite the fact that they're moving to their own arena next year, the Intuit Dome, which is supposed to be state-of-the-art. From the look of what I've seen in some pictures and video, it could be a situation where it may be SoFi light. Now, I understand it's not going to be 90,000 like SoFi, but you're going to have the Oculus in the arena with the scoreboard that goes around similar to what you see at SoFi. State-of-the-art. It's going to blow away anything that the Staples Center, a la Crypto.com Arena, whatever it's called now, is going to put forth. And mind you, that arena is already 25 years old. So I don't want to say it's antiquated, but in this day and age, it seems like arenas go out of style after a couple of decades. So with all that being said, the reason why I bring this up is because the Lakers had a tremendous comeback in the fourth quarter. It looked like the Clippers were going to sweep the Lakers for the regular season series. And then LeBron turned on the Jets, had a huge fourth quarter to where he had five threes, 34 points in total, outscored the Clippers by himself 19-16, to en route to a 116-112 victory. And I'm sure the Laker fan was geeked up and knowing that the Lakers are middling at the bottom of the playing tournament bracket between 7 and 10 and they're currently, what, ninth as currently constituted. And we can look at that as being a huge Laker win or on the flip side, a Clipper collapse. I understand we can look at it more as a Clipper collapse because even without Paul George in the lineup for the Clips, Kawhi Leonard, Russell Westbrook and company led this team to a big fourth quarter lead and they squandered it. Of course, you have to give credit to the Lakers for coming from behind getting a big win under their belt, which obviously wins are at a premium considering they're trying to move up in the standings and see if they could get back to a conference final similar to what they did last year in that same scenario. But for LA, the Lakers that is, to have this win, it is enormous. And I'm sure this is a win that they could possibly build on. And for the Clippers, yes, this is one that I'm sure it's going to stick to the ribs. Maybe they probably brushed it off considering that they're not even cross town, but down the hall, rivals were able to pull out a victory when they were actually in the jaws of defeat. And for the Clippers, who I know it's going to be business as usual, they're going to continue to march on. They're currently three games behind both the Timberwolves and with the Thunder and Nuggets sandwich in between them. I'm sure they're still looking at the landscape in the West and feel that they have a decent shot to maybe inch closer, whether it be the top seed or two or three. As it is right now, they'll have a first round series against the Suns if the season were to end today, which would be a very, I'm sure, hotly contested and competitive series. But for the league itself, the last thing they want is to have either Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, or Kawhi Leonard, LA. And I understand it's not the Lakers, but either one of those two teams are going to be out after a first round. So keep that in mind as we move it along. But with the T-Wolves, Thunder, and Nuggets on winning streaks in their own right, three, six, and four games respectively, and for the Clippers to have that loss, I'm sure that's one that, all right, are they going to rue the day that having this loss against the Lakers is going to be defining from a standpoint of them not getting a three-seed, two-seed? Maybe when it's all said and done. But as I put a, I don't want to say a bad picture to the scenario but sadly this is a regular season game that is forgotten we get it it's not the NFL where every game counts where if this was week 11 12 or 14 this would be huge news because for a team to squander a big lead like that and for them to lose it would almost be looked upon as a mark similar to the Eagles we could talk about a couple of Eagle games this year which maybe could have been defining for them not to have any length in the postseason. But we understand this is not the National Football League. And for the Clippers, which they just finished game 57 of 82, it's eh, it's a bad loss. We don't like it. It's going to sit with us, but on to the next game. And is anybody going to think about this game once you get to April 18th or whenever the postseason is going to begin? Because when the lights are on and it's game one of 
the first round in the NBA playoffs, nobody's going to think about what happened on February 28th between the Lakers and Clippers. And the same could even be said for the Lakers. Because as much as this could be a building block for LeBron, AD, and company, we all know that they could go into a tailspin and lose three out of four or come back east. I believe they have one more East Coast trip in front of them. They still have to come to Brooklyn for that matter. And not that that's going to be a game where they're going to be a heavy underdog, but still, there's plenty of season to be left here. And in fact, I think the Lakers have 22 games left in their season. So although the Laker fan could be pumped up and say, wow, what a win. Maybe this will propel us to move up in the standings. Is this one that is going to really resonate not only with the organization, but with the team itself? Obviously, we'll have to wait and see. But this is the thing about an NBA season. It's still long. There's still plenty of length to go. We still have to get through the month of March before we can even think about the postseason seedings and things of that nature. And even though I'm not trying to throw cold water on the Laker win or say how brutal of a loss this was for the Clippers, even though they'll poo-poo it and say, ah, it's no big deal, but that's a bad loss. 21 points, I understand it's not in your building, you're not in the new Intuit Dome where next year you'll have a presence, but we all know, even then, whenever it seats, I don't even know, probably 18,000, it's going to be more than half of Laker fans, and I would think three quarters of the building would be filled with purple and gold as opposed to the red, white, and blue, the new branding of the Clippers. So, yes, that was a... Tough defeat if you're the 45 Clipper fans that are out there. And if you're the Laker fan, I'm sure you're geeked up. And you probably look at the schedule to think that, hey, maybe we can now build on this to get ourselves in position to get out of the playing scenario, to get ourselves at least within the top six. And they're currently three games behind the Pelicans who have the sixth seed there in the West. So kudos to the Lakers. Kudos to LeBron, who's now 40 points away from 40,000. Think about that. He currently has 39,960 points for his career. So the next game for LA, who knows, if he puts up a 40 spot, he'll have 40K in the bank. And as it is, let's see. Next up for the Lakers is a home game against the Wizards, which will actually be tonight. And then they have the Nuggets there Saturday, ABC. So even if LeBron doesn't get it tonight against the Wizards, Whatever he scores, even if he scores 20 tonight, all he has to do is score 20 against the Nuggets there on primetime Saturday night ABC for him to get 40,000, which obviously when you think about it, for a guy to have 40,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, 10,000 assists, and I'm not going to get into the whole debate about who's the GOAT, so on and so forth. That is a discussion for another day, but boy, do you think that is ever going to be broken? Especially as long as we're alive. Maybe... 40, 50, 60 years from now when we're long gone, if you're my age, maybe somebody will, I don't even think they'll come close to it. 40,000 points in an NBA career? Hey, think about that. So that's what we have there, at least to start us off here with the association. As far as what else is going on, I know you had that crazy game in Cleveland the other day where Max Drews hit that 59-foot past half-court three-point shot to win the game, and this is after... The Mavericks got the bucket there late and what was it, about 2.8 seconds to go and the Cavaliers did not have any timeouts and Struess just threw up a Hail Mary. I mean, that's all there is to it. He had a great look, obviously let it go and it hit the bottom of the net. What more could you say? And the Cavaliers, they've been a team that have been hanging around there, not necessarily at the top of the Eastern Conference, but certainly between them, the Bucks, Knicks, Sixers, in that two to five mix, and I'm sure they're going to want to stay at two because what that will do for the Cavs is that they'll at least have two rounds where they'll host playoff games, and then if they do have to face the Celtics at the end of the day, that will be in the conference final. So if you're the Cavaliers, considering you're a team that made the playoffs last year, had home court, lost to the Knicks in the first round, you want to stay at two. Now, does that mean they're automatically going to be in a conference final when it's all said and done? Absolutely not. But at least you put yourself in good shape for once the playoffs begin, if you're at the two seed, that you're going to have at least the seven seed come to your building, as we know. And whomever comes out of that bracket, and let's just say, for argument's sake, if it is the Milwaukee Bucks, at least they'll have a game seven in their building if the chips fall in that direction. So you had that crazy game for the 
Cavs to win and for Dallas to lose. And then Dallas yesterday goes north of the border where Luka on his 25th birthday puts up a triple-double, 30-16 and I think 30-18 and 11. Or am I reading that correct? 30-16 and 11, excuse me. So for Luka to, again, 25 years old and we know the impact and the type of player he is and what he's done so far in the league. And the Mavericks who are hovering there at the top of that playing scenario, I believe they're currently 7th. And this is after a long winning streak that they had coming into this week. And even though Kyrie had a big game too, 15 of his 29 points in the 4th quarter as they win 136-125 to 125 against the Raptors. So the Mavericks are trying to at least keep pace and see if they could get themselves into that 1-6 through six range so they could avoid the playing tournament overall. And I understand we still have plenty of time between now and then, but this is something that you have to keep in mind here as we get into the month of March and as we get closer to the end of the regular season where these teams stack up when it comes to the playoffs. And then the Warriors, another team that is right below the Lakers in that playing scenario, they're actually playing the Knicks tonight at the Garden and in a bit of an East Coast trip themselves. They go to Toronto after tonight. And then Boston on Sunday, which will be one of your ABC games for your Sunday afternoon. Chris Paul returned from his broken left hand and made a contribution with paltry numbers. But considering that he had missed, what, a couple of months with that fracture. And he put up 9.6 assists, 4 rebounds, 4 steals in a game against the Wizards the other day. So I'm sure there's going to be a plethora of Warrior fans that are going to look at Paul's return to maybe infuse a little life into that team and maybe see if they could make some strides in the West. Now, as I said the other day, maybe even a week or so ago, I don't think the Warriors are going to have any length in this postseason. Maybe they'll win a round. And obviously, they're going to have to qualify to get in. And as I talked about this, which the NBA is absolutely, has their fingers crossed, praying, I'm sure, to the basketball gods that it doesn't end where the ninth seed Lakers plays the 10th seed Warriors in the playing tournament. That's right. Seven plays eight, nine plays 10. Because that means either LeBron and AD are gone, or Steph, Clay, Chris Paul, and Draymond are going to be gone. So, I talked about that just recently, and I'll say it one more time here on the 29th, on the leap year here, 2024. Because the NBA, they're going to be sick to their stomachs if it just so happens to be that the Warriors will still be at 10 and the Lakers don't move north of 9. And as it is, what are they? They're actually a half game behind the Lakers in the Western Conference. Lakers are two games behind the Kings for the 8th seed and Dallas is just a half game ahead of the Kings, Mavericks that is, for the 7th seed. So, still plenty of basketball to be played as we know, but again, this would be a cruel... For the basketball fan, it would be cruel to see that happen there in the first round. And then you're going to have a potential Clippers-Suns first round as well. So you're going to get Kawhi, Paul George maybe out. And then Durant and Booker, as I mentioned earlier. So the NBA, they're going to really be in for it here down the stretch, especially in the Western Conference. And as far as the East goes, everything is pretty much status quo. Celtics have won nine in a row. What more can we talk about them? And as I mentioned, going back to last week, when we opened up the quote-unquote second half of the NBA season, how it is championship win, banner 18 or bust for the Celtic team. And then you have Cleveland at the two, Milwaukee, Knicks, and there's some separation there. The Bucks only a half game behind the Cavs for the two seed, and I, just as I talked about earlier, that's going to be important for Cleveland to secure that. Knicks, four seed, they are a game and a half ahead of the Miami Heat. And then the Sixers are six as they've been continuing to plummet there without Joel Embiid and who knows when his return is going to be. No clue there as of yet. It was going to be a month. It's probably been about three weeks. So I would think he's going to start to ramp up here any day now for this final stretch of the NBA season. Then you have Indiana, Orlando separated by a half game. They'll be fine as far as the seven and eight seeds and even Philly and Miami. They are that close to the 7-8 seeds in the East. They are all separated, think about this, by a half game. Miami 33-25, Philly 33-25, Indiana 34-26, and Orlando 33-26. and And then you have Chicago, Atlanta round out the bottom rung of the play-in bracket. 
18 and a half, well I should say they are 18 and a half behind the Celtics overall, but they're five back of Orlando for the eighth seed, and then the Hawks are just a game and a half back, and then Brooklyn and Toronto, four and four and a half respectively there in the East. And before I move on, well let me see what the schedule is looking like here over the next few days, because I want to talk about my over-under numbers, which are intriguing to say the least. And before I get to that, any games of note, we talked about the Saturday showcase there where you're going to have Denver go to LA to play the Lakers. And who knows, that could be the game where LeBron eclipses 40,000 points for his career. Sunday, Golden State at Boston's your 330 game. And I love the ABC Sunday games. I know it's going to get smacked away when the tournament begins in the NCAA for the men's because that is Sunday games, especially the opening couple of weekends. The NBA is going to get swallowed up there by the tournament. But recently, the schedule has been tailored more for ESPN and TNT. So I love it that you have the Sunday doubleheaders that we remember back from the NBC days of the 90s and 2000s. So to kind of get that back is a good feel. And why not? Obviously, the NFL has exited stage right a few weeks ago. And with nothing else going on until you get to the tournament, it's good for the league. And who knows what the ratings will be. But... I like to see those doubleheader days on Sunday with the national TV game on ABC. Philadelphia at Dallas is the first game there at 1 o'clock and with no Embiid, it has no juice whatsoever. The other games we have here, let's see. Talked about Golden State, New York, OKC, San Antonio. This is tonight's schedule. Miami at Denver, so there's your NBA Finals rematch. First time I believe both of those teams are meeting up this year where Denver still has to go to Miami and that will probably be your ESPN or ABC game at some point. I believe that is in the latter part of March off the top of my head. So if anybody's interested in that, you could see a finals rematch tonight. Tomorrow, Dallas at Boston. So you have Kyrie coming back to Boston again, although we've seen that movie before. But for the Celtic fan that wants to go and boo at Kyrie, you could definitely see that or do that. That's an ESPN game, 730 Milwaukee and Chicago is your nightcap there. Nobody's going to care about that. And then pretty much a weekend, that's it. Sunday, nobody's going to get into the couple games that I mentioned. New York at Cleveland. The Knicks visiting the Cavs. So maybe you get into that. OKC at Phoenix. We got a couple of good night games after the Saturday double dip there on Sunday. Or excuse me, the Sunday double dip for ABC. Now, as far as my over-under numbers are concerned, I remember that there were four of my choices that were at 44 and a half. That was the theme going into my process here because I liked what I saw when it came to that number and all the teams that were matched there. And out of my six over on the numbers, and if you don't know, if you're a first-timer here joining the podcast, whether by audio or even by video here on YouTube, for the six choices, three overs, three unders, Whatever the over-under win total that Vegas put out at the beginning of the season, that's what I chose as far as who do I select as an over or who's an under. Here are my three overs, all at 44.5. And And they should be wins. I would think they're they're safe to be wins, but who knows with one team in particular I'll get to. OKC and Minnesota. Could you imagine, people? I picked them both as overs at 44.5. And And that is a slam dunk. As a matter of fact, let me even double-check. Because OKC may have already gotten there. Oklahoma City right now, tops of the conference, 42-17 and 17 as they've, excuse me, Minnesota's 42-17. and 17. They haven't overtaken Oklahoma City. I got ahead of myself here, people. So one more time, my apologies for that. Minnesota, 42 wins. And Oklahoma City at 41 wins. 44 and a half, so they got to get to 45. Barring just, I can't even say a collapse. Who knows? I I couldn't even tell you. But I'll just leave it there. I don't even want to go there to think of the worst possible that could be imagined to have a team not reach 45 wins considering that Minnesota and Oklahoma are just three and four wins respectively away from that. And then I have Miami also at 44 and a half. And I think they should get to that. They're currently 33 and 25. They just need 12 more wins. And what are they at? 58 games. Do the math. So they have literally the final quarter or final third of the season to go. And as long as they go 500, I'll reach my goal. They can't go 500 the rest of the way. So those are my overs. And in my unders, I picked 
44 and a half, New Orleans, which that's not looking good right now. New Orleans is currently at 35. I thought maybe with all that was surrounding the Zion Williamson and not knowing whether or not he was going to stay healthy this year and give it up. He's actually been healthy and he's played pretty well. I understand the Pelicans are under the radar. They're currently sixth in the West, but they should eclipse that number. So that was a bad one. And then I had Philly, Philadelphia at 47 and a half. And I thought it was going to be more of a situation where Philadelphia was going to have the James Harden just dark cloud over them going into the beginning of the year and how they were going to navigate that. And as we know, James Harden was traded before the start of the year and they actually got off to a great start and Bede was playing just like his MVP self of last year. But considering he went down and he is the team and he hasn't played as we talked about, they are 33 and 25. They got to get 15 more wins and they also have played 58 games. So they would have to go 15 and 9, which is doable. And even though they really hit a terrible stretch here with him out of the lineup, so that could be a win for me. And granted that Embiid, huge loss, and that is a contributing factor to this Philadelphia team being possibly under 47 and a half. So that obviously is a big plus in my favor for that. And then the last team was Cleveland at 50 and a half. And that was looking good for a while because Cleveland, they got off to a very slow start. They did not play well. They were even hovering at 500 before they had this stretch here over the last couple of months where they've played well. And they're currently 38 and 20. Well, I'm going to lose that one considering how they've shot up the Eastern Conference. And as we talked about them being the two seed at the present moment. So right now I'm looking at a four and two year unless... And B comes back and they go on a tear, which looks like I could be at 500. But we'll revisit this at the end of the NBA season. Right now, that's what we have there with the over-unders. On Monday, I talked about my over-under point totals for the National Hockey League, so you got that. So now let's move on. And yeah, before I get to the National Hockey League, let me get to some college basketball real quick because you had a big upset the other day where Kansas, at home, Remember, they're ranked number seven, and we get it at Kansas up and down. Yes, they won a national championship two years ago, and inconsistencies abound for them to lose at home to BYU, where they had a 12-point lead in the second half, and BYU, not to say that they're world beaters by any stretch or a team that, oh, you got to watch out for. Listen, if this was on BYU's home court and the... Brigham Young happened to come back and win the game. All right, fine. No problem. That happens. I'm sure you had a court storming then, and I'll get to that in a second, for BYU. But they went to Allen Fieldhouse. And even down by double digits, down by a dozen, they came back and beat the Jayhawks 76-68. In the grand scheme of things, is this one to be alarmed if you're a Jayhawk fan? Maybe not. But again, how many times have I talked about the unpredictability of college basketball now that March is on the horizon tomorrow and we'll have conference tournaments in about 10 days or so and for BYU this is going to be a huge lift for them to maybe see that this win could maybe even put them in the tournament and I think they're going to be fine I'd have to take a look what their record is etc but if you're Kansas and knowing that you're a team that could be one of the top six seven eight teams not just in the country but to win the whole thing Yes, this is a bad loss because you could go into the tournament and lose to a lesser team like that and not play your best and take that team for granted considering they did that on their home court. So something just to keep in mind with Kansas down the road, unlike the NBA where it gets forgotten the next day, but Kansas, bad loss as they go into conference tournaments and see how far they could go there to see if they win their tournament and if they don't, How does that bode for them going into the tournament and who they match up against? Something to keep in mind here because as we've seen, despite them winning a championship last year, but Kansas is no surefire lock for them to get through a bracket and we understand we have to wait till Selection Sunday and see where they fall as far as the brackets go. But to me, a terrible loss there by the Jayhawks the other night. Then you also had Duke come back from that Loss against Wake Forest and Monday I talked about the whole court storming thing and how I felt about that. If you haven't listened to that podcast, go check it out. Apple, Spotify, jreels.com or even on YouTube. It's on the channel. 
But for Kyle Filipowski, the center, who a lot of people thought injured, had to be carried off the court there, where all the Demon Deacon fans stormed the court and even caused a stir on whether or not they should ban those. I threw in my two cents about that. You'll have to go back. I'm not going to rehash that now. So for Filipowski to come back, and he had a real good return, 9 points, 10 rebounds, put his fingerprints on the game as they thrashed Louisville there last night and Cameron Indoor. So even though that knee injury wasn't serious, thankfully that wasn't the case because I'm sure they'd be a bit more of a groundswell to have fans, students storm the court after victories like that if Filipowski was done for the year with a torn ligament. So thankfully that wasn't the case. He's back in the lineup so we could all breathe a sigh of relief. Then you had Auburn lose last night. They're currently ranked 11th in the country, losing to Tennessee behind Dalton next 39 points. So if you're Auburn, I know that's a loss. That's probably, and again, that was at Tennessee, so it wasn't at home like Kansas. So maybe that's something that you'll keep in the back of your mind when you get to the tournament. And then you had that crazy game the other day between Texas and Texas Tech where the kid literally hip-checked, what was it, Darian Williams to the scorer's table. And for that to ensue with not necessarily a brawl, but you had bodies all over the place, nose-to-nose, Fans throwing stuff on the court, considering that this was in Lubbock at Texas Tech. And that's a scene that nobody wants to see. And then, of course, with the fans throwing stuff onto the court, they also got a technical, if you can believe that. And then the fans ensued to throw more debris, litter, water bottles, etc. So that was just an ugly scene there the other night between those two rivals. So, obviously, the crowd needs to pipe down. And that kid was wrong for throwing that hip check and I get it he was trying to maybe even get in the head of that kid and they had a big lead at the time I think it was 65-40 as they went for a loose ball and he literally just slammed his body into him similar to a hip check or a hockey check into the boards and obviously chaos ensued after that thankfully it didn't escalate to anything worse than that but when you have fans throwing stuff on the court that's obviously a hazard unlike any other somebody could get seriously hurt and when fans do that that's when they're out of line I understand they're frustrated aggravated etc but uh uh-uh that is a no-no you cannot do that so college basketball again as we get into March and yes everybody's going to be geeked up for the tournament and for selection Sunday which will be two weeks from this coming Sunday you know I'll be on top of that as we move it along here on the podcast now let me get to really one particular thing with the NHL as I lace up my skates Other than that, there isn't much to discuss. There isn't much to get into when it comes to what's happening on the ice. Am I going to get into Jack Eichel skating for the first time since he injured his knee in January? Yes, that's big news for a Golden Knight team that's been scuffling here a little bit as they've fallen way behind the pack in the Pacific behind Vancouver, who is running away with the division. Am I going to get into the Nathan McKinnon with the point streak that he has at home as he's been... Extending it here. How many points has he had his streak now? And I would think it's probably a record for the Avalanche. So he has now 29 points that he has in all of the home games this year. And it's the longest point streak since Mario Lemieux's 31 game streak going back almost 30 years ago. And good for McKinnon, who's going to be in the running for the MVP. I understand I also talked about Nikita Kucherov there the other day as he... Had 100 points for the season there, Sunday against the Devils. And you also have to throw Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews. So that's going to be an MVP for those who are interested as to who's going to be in that top three when it's all said and done. Maybe this isn't McDavid's year, and I believe he's on back-to-back regular season MVP, so think about that. But for Kucherov, who has well over 100 points as this present moment, and for McKinnon, who has this point streak and has been on a tear himself on top of what Austin Matthews has done with all the goal scoring that he has this year. Maybe for those who are pumped up about the MVP, they can look at that and say, it's either one of those three guys. So who would be the front runner as of right this moment? Maybe it'd be Matthews and his team is just ahead of the Lightning in the Atlantic Division. You could say McKinnon, even though Colorado is what? They're actually third, I believe, in the central, as I take a look at the standings. But that's what you have here. I'm actually, I don't want to say grasping for straws when it comes to the NHL, but there hasn't been a lot that has gone on since Monday that I could really report to say, oh, this is what has taken place here over the last 72 hours 
in the NHL. Colorado, yes, they are in third place. They are two points behind Winnipeg and Dallas, who are both at the top of the Central Division. So you have a very just wall-to-wall race that's probably going to go all the way to the end. And that we will continue to take a look at, especially with Winnipeg, and I'll get to them in a second. You have the Panthers and Bruins who are tied at the top with 82 points. The Rangers currently have 83 points, so they have the top seed as a right to second in the East. We talked about Vancouver also with that 10-point lead over Vegas. And actually, the Rangers tied with their win last night over Columbus with the Canucks for the most points in the sport. So think about that, Ranger fans. I don't know if you want to be a President's Trophy winner if you're the Broadway Blue Shirts when it's all said and done because we all know that is the curse. That is the kiss of death for a team to have the most points in the regular season in the NHL to win that President's Trophy. More often than not, they do not end up in a final, let alone win the Stanley Cup when it's all said and done. So just keep that in mind, people, as we move it along. But that's what we have there with the NHL. And the Rangers have the most wins in the sport. Think about that. Florida has 39 wins. Even Vancouver, they only have 38. Can't say only. They're just a win behind Florida and two behind the Rangers. But the Rangers have the most wins in the sport and 83 points. And they've been on a tear, as we know. They had that 10-game winning streak snapped by Columbus there on Sunday. And then Columbus comes to the Garden. And what happens? The Rangers exact some revenge against the Blue Jackets. Now, as far as the Winnipeg Jets are concerned... I read something a couple of days ago about how Gary Bettman is encouraging the Jet fan to show up to the rink, support your team. They are in first place in the division, as I mentioned, tied with Dallas at the moment. But again, this is going to be a battle, you would think, to the bitter end, barring injuries or just falling back to the pack there in the Western Conference. And for Bettman to have to do that, And he's even had discussions with the ownership group of Mark Chipman, who is the more of the bigger owner, where the co-owner, David Thompson, is, and they're partners here, but I guess more goes into Chipman, as I'm sure he has a lot more invested than David Thompson. But those two guys who are running the franchise, they have said that they do not want to survive in the NHL. They want to be able to thrive here. And their season ticket base has gone down. They're actually next to last in attendance, which is not saying much because they might as well just be last because the team that is last in attendance is Arizona. And remember, they play in that mullet arena in Tempe on the campus of Arizona State, I believe. Or is it Arizona? One of the two. I think it's Arizona State. So for them, and they only house 4,600 people. And Winnipeg, they've been competitive here this year. I mean, I don't have to get into their record and where they stand in the Western Conference. I already did that. But I understand that Winnipeg, they moved to Phoenix there in the 90s. They lost their team. And I get it that Gary Bettman, the commissioner, is going to paint the rosiest picture possible. And even though he did say that the ownership group wants to, does not want to survive, they want to thrive, as I mentioned, but that is a nicer way of him saying that Yeah, I don't know how much more that the owners are going to have to deal with this. Now, I don't know what their lease situation is with that building in Winnipeg. And that's a newer building, as we know. That's not the old Winnipeg Arena where the Jets played going back to the 70s, 80s, and 90s. But I'm sure they're frustrated. They have to be even aggravated to know that the support there by the fans have not been full force or maybe what they've imagined or even expected. I could see it. Maybe Winnipeg was a bottom-rung team or a middling team that's, uh, they're on the fringe of making the postseason where they haven't come out. But what do you say? And I get it. They don't really have that attraction. They don't have a Connor McDavid. They don't have a Nathan McKinnon. They don't have a guy that maybe the fans could rally around. And I'm sure that they're going to support and buy the jerseys. I mean, the one guy that comes to mind for me is the goaltender. Connor Hellebuke. He's a guy that maybe could be the I don't want to say the face of the franchise and not that I know the Winnipeg Jet roster up and down and that's hand raised high in the air but what has gone on there to the point where season tickets have gone down they've gone back I believe 4,000 since they got the team back in what 2011 2012 and they came from Atlanta and we've seen what happened with the former Atlanta franchises whether it was back in the 70s when they moved to Calgary in 80 and then the Thrashers moved to Winnipeg 
Now you may have a scenario where Winnipeg may be out of there and jet from Manitoba, no pun intended, and who knows? Not to say it's going to happen at the end of this year or it's going to happen in the next year or so, but I'm sure if the ownership group who may end up selling, and who knows, I believe I read something or somewhere where the franchise is worth $765 million, where a lot of these organizations, I'm sure if you're the Red Wings, the Rangers, the Bruins, and those are original six teams, they're probably worth north of a billion. Who knows? They may say, we're going to cut our losses, whatever we paid for the team, now we want to sell it. And you may have a situation where Winnipeg could be moving as well. I tell you. It's just terrible to see teams relocate only to move, whether it was Atlanta, as I mentioned, or now Winnipeg. And that's not to say I have a crystal ball and that's going to be the situation where the Jets are going to get themselves out of there. But if the ownership group is already talking about how we just don't want to hang by our fingernails here or just get by, they want to be able to thrive with the other teams in the league. And if that's not going to happen, they're either going to sell or I'm sure they're going to want to strong arm Gary Bettman to say, we're going to move elsewhere. Because they've seen what's happened in Vegas. They've seen what's happened in Seattle. And granted, those are expansion teams. Those aren't teams that relocated. So you have to keep that in mind as well. But yeah, that's not a good scene if you're the ownership, the organization that is the Winnipeg Jets to have, what is it, 13,000 next to last in the sport and your season tickets to be cut below the 10,000 seat mark. I mean, that's just terrible. There's no other way to slice it, dice it, cut it. That's just a bad job. So that's what you have with the NHL. As far as baseball, I got a couple of things to say here and even some NFL, which is actually percolating a lot here over the last few days. I'll get to that in a second. But for baseball, I'm not going to go knee deep on this uniform issue. I know that this was discussed over the weekend where you had the exhibition games begin and the pants are see-through for whatever reason. I can't. I mean, seriously, is this going to be a topic of discussion for guys like myself or for Sports Talk Radio. The season hasn't begun. I'm sure that Nike, who has the rights to come up with the uniforms, the designs, etc. I believe that they're actually tweaking it as I speak. So you would think by the time you get to opening day, you're not going to have a scenario where you could see through, whether it's by sweat or... And I haven't really got a chance to look at it. So... Just reading the report, I kind of just went on to the next article. I'm sorry, I'm not going to invest any more time on a uniform issue where this can be rectified. I understand they're not going to go back to the 20s and 30s, the old baggy Yankee uniforms, which were made out of linen or who knows what it was made out of back then, probably out of a potato sack, where the second you put it on, you're already sweating and it's uncomfortable and it itches. Please. I'm not going to spend any more time or breath on that. So let me just move on from there. I know you had the Dodgers trade Manuel Margot to the Twins. Only to bring in Kike Hernandez, the utility infielder, outfielder. The guy's a Swiss Army knife, can play so many positions. Actually played for the Dodgers, as we know. Going back to the 20-teens. I don't know if he was on the 2020 World Series team. He may have been. I know in the last couple of years, he's been... With the Red Sox, but for Hernandez, who obviously very familiar with the organization, with the team, and I'm sure that's a welcome addition to that team. You're going to need a guy that's a glue guy, knows his way around the ballpark, the city, the culture of the team, and even with the big superstars there, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Otani, you want to throw in Yamamoto, who had a good debut there in spring, I believe just yesterday. Everybody is just geeked up. Coconuts and palm trees out in Arizona where the Dodgers are training as of right this moment. And you even want to get into Shohei Otani hitting his first spring homer. I'm not going to. I understand I mentioned it. I get it. But uh -uh. to me, that is nothing. He could hit 50 home runs in spring. Let me see what happens come March 28th and moving forward. That's it. And he also stated on social media that he got married. Kudos to him. Congratulations. And I believe they're going to have, I don't know if it's going to be a press conference, but he said that he's going to talk about a little bit more in the days to come so kudos to him in regards to that and then now as I put on my helmet and shoulder pads to wrap up here with the NFL and 
you have some very interesting storylines when it comes to franchise tags or no franchise tags in this particular case when it comes to the running back position. I'll get into that in a second. I want to start off with this Justin Fields, Caleb Williams scenario where the Bears have the number one pick this year. As you know, the trade with the Carolina Panthers, they got the Panthers' first pick overall. And what to do? Do you keep Justin Fields and try to trade that number one overall pick for a boatload of picks back? Or do you draft Caleb Williams, but in the process, before that, you're going to have to trade Justin Fields to another team. You may not get a boatload of picks or the overhaul that you would get if you traded the number one pick and kept Justin Fields. But for the Bears, thankfully, I'm not the GM Ryan Poles that has to Think about this, have to put this on the table and kind of maneuver where we're going to go with this organization because this is a decision that may or may not cost him his job. And that's the bottom line. Because if you trade Justin Fields and let's say he flourishes elsewhere and Caleb Williams can't get his way out of a wet paper bag, you're going to get canned. And then obviously if you keep Justin Fields and he's a bust and Caleb Williams goes elsewhere... And he becomes the C.J. Stroud this year as he was with the Houston Texans and becomes a perennial Pro Bowl player and dare I even say a Hall of Fame player then pulls his out on his ear after that. What I would do if I was a GM and thankfully I'm not. If Justin Fields isn't your guy and understand he doesn't have a ton of weapons. All right, Cole Komet is a very good tight end. D.J. Moore, a very good receiver. And running backs, I know you had to piecemeal it last year. But Justin Fields, and he's a runner as we know. But I would think, considering you have to pay him a boatload of money, and if you feel in your gut that he's not the guy, then draft Caleb Williams. And that's what I would do. I would trade Justin Fields, and I know the best place for him to land would be in Atlanta. He's from Georgia. <clears throat> Obviously knows the area. Excuse me. And if you trade him to Atlanta, who needs a quarterback in the worst way, And there are pieces there that Fields could work with. He has a tight end in Kyle Pitts, a number one pick in Drake London at the wideout position, B. John Robinson is your running back, and then you have Justin Fields to add to that mix. That's a pretty good offense. And I get that Justin Fields has not lit the world on fire so far in the first few years of his NFL career. He has talent. He has potential. I'm not in love with his accuracy, And his record as a starting quarterback is atrocious. You could attribute that to maybe not having enough firepower or not having the complementary pieces on offense for Justin Fields to thrive under Matt Eberflus in Chicago. But I would think, goes to Atlanta. Now, the coach there is a guy, and I even forgot who the Falcon coach is. Oh, Raheem Morris. A defensive-minded coach. And I don't know who the offensive coordinator is, but that is one position that if the Falcons do not have filled, and I'm sure they do at the present moment, I'll look that up in a second, but that is going to be huge if the Falcons are able to get Justin Fields into their locker room, into their facility via trade, and for him to be able to get to a point where he could look at the lay of the land See who he has at wideout, tight end, who's the running back, and also with his running prowess as well. And for him to improve on his accuracy and just get better. To me, if I'm the Falcons, I'd make that deal in a heartbeat. It all depends on what the Bears want. I'm sure they're going to ask for a first-round pick, wherever the Falcons pick is this year. Or multiple picks for that matter. But let's say if you get a 2 and a 4 for Justin Fields, I would do it. Also, you have to think that Fields is going to get a big payday. But this is what I would do if I'm the GM of the Falcons. Not only would I trade for him, but I would give him a deal similar to Geno Smith. And people say, whoa, Jay Reels, come on. Geno Smith, Justin Fields is way better. Can you really say that right now on February 29th? I can't. So I would give him a three-year deal worth $105 million, So that's... $35 $35 million a year, and that's the going rate. I understand you got other guys making $40, $50 million a year. 
But those are guys that either won MVPs a la Lamar Jackson or Super Bowls a la Patrick Mahomes. Guys that are going to make that money. But for Fields, here you go. Three years, 105, and we'll revisit after the third year. Why not? Fields doesn't deserve a five-year deal worth 200 and some odd million dollars with 160 of that guaranteed. He does not. So if I'm Atlanta, that's what I would do. And if I'm Fields, I understand he may want more. I understand he may look at that and say, well, wait, this Daniel Jones signed, what, four years, 160 million, he got 80 guaranteed or whatever his contract was. And right, he could argue that, but Fields hasn't even gone to a postseason, let alone had a winning record. At least Daniel Jones has that on his resume. And would I pick Justin Fields over Daniel Jones at this present moment? That's a toss-up. That's a coin flip, if you ask me. But that's my point. GM of the Falcons, here's your contract. Trade, bring him in. Three years, 105. We'll revisit after year three. Seems fair, right? Then, when it comes to the running backs. Let's touch on that for a second. You have some big-time, high-profile running backs who did not get the franchise tag. Who are looking not only for a new address, but they're looking for a big payday. And as controversial as that is, because the running backs, remember, I believe they had a Zoom call last offseason because how the running back is underpaid, how they're even undervalued. We get it that it's a passing league. They're not looking at the running back the way they once did back in going back since the beginning of time. And over the last 10 years or so, maybe less than that, the league has evolved to where they just want quarterbacks to go down the field, whether it's short passing game or deep passing game, and put up points, numbers, touchdowns, and wins that way. So if your name is Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard, and I believe DeAndre Swift is on that list, what is going to happen? Is it going to be a deal where they're going to look to get four Years, I don't know if they'll get five, but anywhere, let's say three to four years at $60 million, where who knows, maybe half of that is guaranteed. I don't know. Running backs, I won't say they're a dime a dozen, but there are solid running backs that are out there that you could win with. Now, people are going to say, well, Jay Reels, this is Derrick Henry. This guy was a beast at Tennessee, or Saquon Barkley, a number two overall pick. His head is injuries, but is a dynamic threat there out on the football field. Or even a guy like Josh Jacobs, who I believe, what was he, a leading rusher one year in the NFL, who was one of the top two or top three, I believe, over the last two, three years. And people could argue that, and yes, stats don't lie. But are these guys going to get paid top dollar, at least for them, where they're going to think their market is should be 18, 19, $20 million a year? The GM is going to say, uh, 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 uh. No dice, no shot, no chance. And that's what sucks, to be quite honest. Because these guys may have to take lesser deals, maybe for more money, or to get that three, four-year deal, but on a lesser annual average value. Now, who knows what the bonus money is going to be like? Because I understand that that's going to be a huge part as far as what they're going to get here, guaranteed, once they sign on the dotted line. But I don't know. We understand the running back is a brutal position. And you can have guys like David Montgomery, Isaiah Pacheco, as we've seen, and granted this is his second year, and even when he gets his big payday, Pacheco's not ranked in the top five in the sport. And I like him as a running back. That's not a knock by any stretch. Or Devin Singletary, those guys... Can you win with? I understand it's the system, the quarterback, whatever, but those are good running backs. They may not be elite or great as the aforementioned guys, but the sad part is is that those guys aren't going to get paid what they believe that they are worth or what their value is because of the way the sport is trending and has trended here over the last at least half decade or half dozen years. It's unfortunate, but that's where you're at. I don't know what else to say. I hope they get what their value is and what they're worth. But as we've seen here over the last few years, that may not be the case. 
So that's something also we got to keep in mind for a team that's looking for a running back, for a team that's looking to bring that guy in. But I'm sure, and I can't go off the top of my head, like which team needs a running back. But uh, you want to say the Giants? What are they going to do? They're going to sign Josh Jacobs to a similar deal to what they would have signed Saquon Barkley. For that, they just re-up with him. But we get it. Last year, they franchised him. They gave him, what, a half a million dollar raise. And then now they're not going to franchise him. They can still bring him back, I understand. But I would think that Saquon's going to look for greener pastures. No pun intended there. So we'll keep our eye on that. And then you have the scenario with the Jets where could they file tampering charges against the Kansas City Chiefs based on what McCole Hardman said on a podcast there with Ryan Clark where he went to his, funny enough, the GM of the team that he came back to and won a Super Bowl with with that touchdown catch just a few weeks ago in overtime against the Niners where he told the chief GM as well as Patrick Mahomes to come get me. So in other words, to say, hey, I want out. I want to come back to KC. And as it was in this podcast, he expressed his displeasure for the culture of the Jet team. Also talked about how it was frustrating for him because of the lack of playing time and didn't like what he saw there in Florham Park with the Jets. Now, I don't know if it was a thing because when Rodgers got hurt that there was a sky is falling mentality there where woe is us, the New York Jets, here we are. We had the quarterback in tow, Garrett Wilson, an offensive line that was Swiss cheese, and who knows if Aaron Rodgers would have held up for the whole 16 game or 17 games if that was the case. But Mikael Hartman wanted out, and he even vociferously tweeted that he never said that he wanted out. And I believe I have a quote here. He said that besides the lack of frustration, he said he never had talks with KC that the Jets handled it on their own. And maybe that was the case. And he had to go to Twitter to say that. Now, of course, that was to the chagrin of the GM Joe Douglas. And that certainly doesn't look good upon him. Who also was quoted at the Combine as he's there in Indianapolis here over the course of this week. But yes, that is not a good look for the Jets. And there's also been other reports about the Jets uncovering their season after the Rodgers loss. And after them not playing well and having to go through a carousel of quarterbacks. Zach Wilson, who now the Jets have okayed for him to seek a trade to get out of the scenario regarding the Jets. And you know he wasn't going to come back. So that is just abysmal, to say the least, if you're a fan of Gang Green. So thankfully for them, that's over with. But for Hardman, let's see if there's going to be any consequences regarding the Jets. Maybe getting some sort of compensation if they do happen to file tampering charges against the Chiefs. So we'll have to wait and see about that. The Chiefs have already cut Valdez-Scantling, MVS there, and his $12 million. The Raiders have said they're not going to trade Devontae Adams. So whatever rumors you're going to hear about Devontae wanting to play with Aaron Rodgers there at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, you could squash that. And speaking of the Chiefs again, they also are going to tag Legereus Sneed, the excellent cornerback, but is open to a trade. And it's weird. All these things about the Chiefs here over the last few days, they also had a poll where they were ranked 31st in the NFL as far as an organization goes, whether it's their practice facility, whether they're, how they're being fed, believe it or not, or excuse me, how their lunchroom, how they don't have the three meals, or maybe they don't have healthier meals, or whatever it may be. And here's a team that's won back-to-back Super Bowls, three in the past five years, and even the owner was ranked last. And this is a poll, I believe, between players, executives. I don't think the fans got involved. But here they were, ranked 31st at the Commanders were ranked below them. And that says a lot, obviously, coming out of the Daniel Snyder era. But for a team that has had a ton of success over the last, we'll go even six years, making it to a conference championship before losing to New England, then winning a Super Bowl, then losing a Super Bowl to Tampa, losing a title game to the Bengals, and winning back-to-back Super Bowls that this organization, who has now won four Super Bowls overall in three in the last five years, is ranked next to last in the sport as far as an organization is concerned. Quote-unquote, as I did air quotes there for the camera. Hey, listen. If my team was ranked that low, but they were winning, I wouldn't care less. Because you could be ranked number one. Look at the Cowboys. They're what? The number one ranked team as far as their worth goes now I understand that they also got I don't want to say shafted but they got criticized for 
their practice facility. And they just built that Ford Center practice facility. I'm sure you've seen plenty of times. But anyway, you could have the number one franchise in the world, but we all know they haven't won anything in almost three decades. Whereas the Chiefs, I guess it's almost being run like slumlords there. And here they are, champions for another year. That'll do it, my good people. Another episode just about in the books. As always, thank you so much on the even of another anniversary for stopping by, carving out precious time out of your day to listen to what it is I have to say about what goes on in the world of sports. Like I mentioned at the top, please subscribe, rate, and review. Throw me a few stars, write a review. That'll go a long way into, to increasing the visibility of this podcast with all the others that are out there. Hit me up with a question, comment, criticism, and follow my channel. Subscribe there, like, leave a comment, at JReels on YouTube. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, the J Reels Podcast, Twitter, X J Reels One, just a number, or the old fashioned way, the J Reels Podcast at gmail.com. I'll be more than happy to follow up with you guys and gals with whatever you want to say, question, comment, suggestion, etc. Because whether you do or do not know, this is what I love to do, people. It's in the blood, it's in the DNA, as I always like to say, bringing nothing but fire, passion, energy, and fury as I go into year six and beyond, and a lot coming down the pike, people. So you definitely want to. Continue to stay on board, and I'd just love to have you, your friends, family, even frenemies, foes, no matter who. I don't care. Bring them all on board, because this train is going on the express track and moving fast. As I continue to deliver my thoughts, opinions, analysis, critiques, praise, feelings on anything and everything. That happens on the world of the diamond, ice, gridiron, hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, boxing ring, octagon, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels Podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Center, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J Reels Podcast, on the flip, baby. <laughs>